I'm your host, Ken Lane, and this is the show where I bring on stellar guests from across the API universe to discuss, debate, and solve the latest topics around APIs and API first. Welcome to Breaking Changes, TLDR, where we deviate from our normal weekly interview to focus on a specific topic, providing much more bite-sized segments for our subscribers to tune into. With Breaking Changes TLDR, we're looking to explore a diverse range of topics from across the world of APIs, but I'm really hoping to break things down in ways that make APIs more more accessible to a wider audience. Today, I'm hanging out with Matt Bishop, the mad scientist behind Level 3 REST. I saw Matt tweeting the project out for this specification, and after reading, I wanted to make sure and sit down with him uh, for a discussion. So let's get right to it. What is level three rest? Uh, level three rest is, um, I'm not sure if you want to call it a specification, call it a site. It's, it's a, it started out as a set of notes um, for things that I, I wanted to remember on building hypermedia APIs. Uh, when we started, uh, when I started uh, building hypermedia APIs back in 2011, um, I was fortunate enough to be given the space and the time to figure out how uh, REST could work for a complicated domain like commerce. And it's complementary to uh, REST because at the time things were SOAP and they really wanted to expand into browsers and mobile devices and stuff. So REST was the right way to do it. Um, and so we created some ideas and some patterns to help you define and design an API using language higher than just, we're gonna use a get or a post and here are the headers and here are the URL parameters. We wanted to go a liberal above that and talk about things like forms and actions and lists and uh, data resources. And so we created this pattern language from that, but it was internal to ElasticPath. And out of that, we realized it'd be a lot more useful if this was more public. So we took those notes and those decisions and designs and I published them out as level three rest. Um, most of that work uh, still ongoing, like I'm third year doing it. And every every couple of months I learn something new or I discover something I've done that's not quite right or somebody had came out with a really great idea that I think would help. And so I'll update that spec. But it's a catalog of of ways of describing API that are very specific and hopefully really useful for both the client and the and the implementer on the server side to produce something meaningful beyond just here's what the HTTP part of this endpoint did. It's more here's what the functional part of this resource does, and here's how you can interact with it. Sounds like it provides a much more sophisticated approach to the client side than than folks are used to in the API space today. So what makes level three REST useful to providers and consumers? I think it's really useful for public facing APIs where you're gonna have a lot of clients come and go and you, you know, that the amount of time they have to invest in learning your API is, is going to be part of a package of the amount of, of you know, investment they have to actually implement using the API. So level three REST lets you build an API that is very fast to learn and thereby that team can use their budget to build against the API. I've seen many projects where 
They got big visions of what they want to build, right? And then they hit the APIs that exist or the APIs they want to build and everything bogs down because what the API does and what it needs to do are two different things. And so the MVP becomes smaller and smaller and smaller because the budget, it's hard to go back and get more budget for front ends. It's really tough. And what happens is you're only shrinking what the front end can do or the consumer side of that to fit what's there. And at that point, you know, you've run out of money and you've got this thing. And so they spend a lot more time on, you know, making the look and feel of the application really good, which is nice, but the feature set therein can be quite small. If you had an API that was well-described and followed these patterns so that you don't have to relearn how to interact with every single endpoint as a snowflake, but instead here are a set of patterns, just like user experience things. Like you see a button, you know what a button does. You don't have to relearn button every time, right? Drop down lists, like all these components that are there, then your developer works much faster and they can cover this, cover the surface of what's available and then build it out you know, a a much more compelling experience. And I'm sure help achieve higher levels of velocity when moving an API forward. So how do I explain this to business leadership? What's the benefit for them? I think the biggest uh, advance it gives you is uh, understandability. When you have an API, you basically, you'll find that a lot of people silo up based on their teams. So the Conway's law of communication applies to APIs. And a good example would be like, you've got one team that does the product API. And so they really focus in on presenting out products and they might have search and they might have, you know, different ways of presenting attributes about a product. And then there's this other team that does the checkout API and they have to coordinate. It's a very different domain. You're doing completely different things over there. Um, And so you really need a way for those, the developer that consumes those two APIs to not have to learn two completely separate worlds. So if they both use the same pattern language in their API, it looks seamless. So the look and feel or the fit and finish is really high and you've got a lower level of barrier to entry. So when you come in and you learn how you know a list works in one API and then you see that same list profile in the other parts of your API, you don't have to relearn things, right? You don't have to go dig into the docs and really start understanding how these guys do list versus those other team over here doing lists. So it basically gives you these guidelines that your teams can follow. And with constraints comes speed and that's really valuable to business too. You don't have to spend a lot of time bike shedding around, should we use a put or should we use a patch or should we do this or should we do that? It's like you can clear away and start talking about you know, is this an action or is this a form? You know, is this a lookup or is this a nexus? So all these all these concepts are in level three. If you start using those languages, you can draw a map and design your API uh, to these terms as opposed to trying to figure out this, you know, the minutia of HTTP and how that's going to be applied to the specific domain. Is this something that Everyone on my team, all across my teams is going to have to learn and understand and, and become competent in, or is it something that a, a smaller group can help uh, lead the charge on and become aware and then help stabilize that across teams? I think you're going to need uh, a group that you need two different groups. One that sees the value in using um, a, a language like this, uh, sort of like a design language, if you will. 
Uh, so that would be like an API product manager um, or a director of API architecture who, you know, they're just, they see so much slowness happening because so much time is spent on redeciding things that have been decided a hundred times. Like we're going to send 409s, you know, for business rule conflicts as opposed to a 400. Like that's a status code. That's a minutia. But, you know, you know, Ken, you've been there. How many times you've been in meetings where you spend half an hour longer discussing this exact topic? We take that and multiply it across the entire Talmud, as I like to call it, of the HTTP specification, right? HTTP is not one book. It's multiple books. And a lot of times they tie together and a lot of times you have to read all of them and, and then kind of interpret how it applies to an API. Level three REST has really distilled that down. So as a product owner, you like that distillation because you want that speed and you like the way it talks about things in terms of more like a UI user experience as opposed to HTTP and protocols. And then you also need, so that gives you the motivation to invest in learning this, but then you need a team that understands how to implement this. Because the truth is implementing HTTP APIs at the level of detail that level three REST expects is, you know, it's quite, it's quite complicated in some cases. Uh, and it's, there's a lot of little minutia. So having a, a team that knows how to do that and then bring them in to help a team go, okay, we have a requirement to build out uh, a search API and we wanna use, you know, this, this lookup resource and this form resource and this list resource and we wanna do pagination um, and we wanna do filtering. Well, there's like four types of resources there that need to work together to produce this experience. And so getting that right in whatever platform you're using, if you're using, you know, Node.js with Fastify or JaxRS or Spring, Spring Hattiest with Java or anything else, you'll need someone that can translate the specifics of what level three REST requires from the HTTP to the, the platform you're actually using to build the REST API. Yeah, this is all the stuff that'll pay off down the road, saving time and money throughout the API lifecycle. So is is all of this level three REST stuff going to be relevant in an HTTP two and and three world? I think it will do fine. Um, my reasoning is, from the outside, HTTP doesn't actually look all that different. HTTP two brings in things like header compression. It brings in multiplexing of data. Your programming experience as a developer and as a consumer isn't all that different. It's not like here's a whole new transport protocol. It's, it's kind of below the surface. And then HTTP3 brings in things like Quick, which is instead of having, you know, guaranteed delivery um, and by, you know, by guaranteed, I mean having like a transactional style interaction where you do a handshake and you get back an act and then you, you send data and you, you've got this back and forth in the client server, making sure that all the pieces get there. Quick is basically UDP saying, okay, Here's all the packets all coming at you, and each packet has 10% of another packet. So when you get them all in, you can kind of assemble them yourself. And if you're missing something, you can look in the other packets you already got in those 10% little caches and find what you're missing. And then whatever you, you need is probably you can come back and get, but most of the time it's going to come. So those two things don't really change the fact that when I'm writing an API, I need to respond to the get request and look for specific headers. And I need to send back a JSON body and other headers. Um, there's still, that's still, HTTP 1.1 is still alive and well in HTTP 2. HTTP 2 brings in 
basically the technical improvements that um, will make it faster, but doesn't really make it different that much. A little bit, but not nothing, I think, dramatic that would cause what you've invested in something like level three rest to be thrown out and have to start over. That's good because it helps to know that this type of investment is forwards compatible. So what's next for level three rest? That's a really good question. I'm, I use it to remind myself of, of ways to do things that have worked. The, each one of those profiles has been implemented in some form or another along the way of, of my career. Um, I, people have been asking me for things like, we need an example API. And I think that's a really good idea. So, um, you know, had I, had I time and money to do what I wanted, I would be able to produce out uh, a really good API. So I've designed one um, to build. And I think that's really the next step is show me what this looks like from the client side. And then show me what this looks like from the server side. I think that will help tell that story. Um, but, you know, it's it's still a big ask. I'm, one of the things I think about is GraphQL. And we always talk about GraphQL whenever hypermedia comes up. And they have solved some of the problems around linking data. They've also solved some of the problems around constraining how you send changes, right? So that's really nice. That's really cool. What they haven't actually solved, though, is when you need to do things that are cacheable, right? When you need to do things that are beyond the simple where you've got to, you've got to communicate higher level concepts beyond just here's something that you can send a form to and something happens. So the difference between something that changes state on the server, like a form, and one that finds state on the server, like a lookup in the HT in level three parlance, isn't there. So you can go a long way with GraphQL for data discovery and some you know, command submission, but it's not really enough to get you um, a more expressive API that can do things that you really want to do that are beyond the simple. So to how to get there, it's it's a good question. And, you know, I technology needs to be built. It's uh, to me, it'd be something I'd love to work on full time, but that's not where I'm at right now. So uh, I'll keep learning and keep pushing on this and keep having conversations with guys like you and and uh, hopefully change some more minds about, you know, if we spend some more investment in the APIs we build to make these commitments to these profiles, that will make the client's life better. That will attract clients to expect and want to see things like level three rest in the APIs they consume. And then that will then drive the other side too. So it's sort of a demand generation problem too. Well, I always appreciate this type of investment from smart folks like you, which is why I wanted to chat with you. Good stuff, Matt. Always impressed at the level of detail you put into your APIs, but really how you always make your your approach about doing it in a way that allows it to op be open source and, and shared with others so that they can put it to work. Well, I look forward to seeing where you take level three and I'll stay tuned for updates. Appreciate everyone tuning in today. You can subscribe to Breaking Changes TLDR segments or full Breaking Changes episodes on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or head over to postman.com slash events slash breaking dash changes for more information. Mm -hmm.